songwriters, and welcome to the 10th episode of How Songs Are Made podcast, where we talk to notable artists about their songwriting process. I'm your host, Trey Xavier, and today we're going to be talking to the band Tetrarch about their album, Unstable. Today's episode is sponsored by the amazing DistroKid and their awesome Splits feature. This is the DistroKid feature that I for sure have used the most. Basically, you can just very easily split all of the incoming money from any given track or album between yourself and unlimited collaborators. Uh, You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can go back in time and see any of the previous splits that you've had. Your collaborators are going to have to make a DistroKid account in order to do this, but they're going to get a 50% discount, so it's only 10 bucks. Your release won't be delayed if your collaborator is slow to sign up. Instead, they just hold the money for them until they join. And if your collaborator never joins, you can easily cancel their invitation and uh, reallocate their money elsewhere. Take it for yourself. As always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. And if you're interested in learning how to write songs, my course Complete Rock and Metal Songwriting is available now. You can check it out at howsongsaremade.com. Also, uh, I forgot to say that for DistroKid, if you want 7% off your first year, I have a special link in the description for you. Please give a very, very warm welcome to my guests, Diamond and Josh from Tetrarch. Hey, hey, what's What's up? up? How's it going? It's going great. How are you guys doing? Doing wonderful. It's uh, (laughs) so nice to finally get to meet you guys, kind of, you know. Yeah, I feel like like we've talked through people to each other for a very long time (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and like you guys are in la now like one of those things i figure i'm gonna see you at a show or something and then it was like oh shows don't aren't really happening and now it's like well we're lit we're probably like a i don't know 10 or 15 minute drive away from each other at this very moment and still here we are through the screen but that's very typical with la i feel like there's so many people here and you never see them so (laughs) yeah yeah, well, it's kind of funny. I think I accidentally met you one time back in like 20, I don't know, it was at a bar after, I think it was like a Joey Sturgis thing. Oh, holy shit, you were at that? Yeah, briefly. I was there oh very briefly. Gosh. I was like, I feel like I met him before. That's but this feels amazing. more official, for sure. So, wow. I um, that was, that <laughs> He's was like, a, well, now I feel bad because I, I met now you. I and I'm no, this was like 2000, like. I don't even know if our album Freak yeah, had that would have been about four or five years ago. Yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. That's amazing, hilarious, <laughs> cool. Well, this will be probably for longer than that if it was uh, just brief. <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> because on this podcast, we take forever. Uh, no, um, we 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 take the deep dive and go all the way, <laughs> the long form. I ask the big questions and then I shut up and let you talk is uh, is the format here. But <laughs> what we're actually here to talk about is your album Unstable and how you guys go about writing songs specifically for this one. So really there's one question and then a bunch of follow-up questions. The big question is what is your typical songwriting process and how was it different for this album compared to things that you've done in the past? Um, so this album, I would say one of probably the biggest differences between writing this record and any of the other ones was how much time we actually like spent on it. So like 
with Unstable. We knew before we started writing the album, we knew before we started recording the album that we wanted this to be like an album we didn't rush. We wanted to take as much time as we needed to kind of write the record that we knew we wanted to write. So like that was the biggest difference. I think it took us, we start, I think we wrote it for almost, I don't know, probably like a year or like something like that. And then we record, like literally we were in the studio with Dave for probably like, what was it like? (laughs) It was like four straight months. And then I came back and did some more vocals, maybe like for another few weeks. It was a long time. So like that, like I said, was the biggest difference more so than even like the process of how it was written. It was just the time that we took and we, and we wanted to take our time, time on it. That's amazing. So, Give me a little idea of like what it actually looks like for you to write a song, like the soup to nuts. Like for me, and, and I think for everyone in the band, it usually a lot of time starts with either a guitar riff or a drum beat or um, you know some kind of bass thing, just some kind of riff. Like we're very much, um, I think, like so. I guess coming from my perspective, I'm a guitar player that or a vocalist that also plays guitar, and so for me a lot of times I get more inspiration from my guitar and from writing instrumentals and um, riffs and vocals typically will come kind of second to that a lot of times. But this was kind of one of the first albums where, you know, we would start, we'd start, we had some instrumentals we liked. We had some really cool riffs. We had some um, songs and vibes that we really liked, but this was the first time that I can remember, you know, letting lyrics happen before vocal melodies. Like for me, I was always that person who would, I'd have, we'd have a guitar riff, we'd have a part, and I'd go do some scat vocals, you know, like some kind of just make up something, ba 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 da ga da 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 da, you know, some melody, <laughs> and then try to fit words into those. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, try to fit words into those kind of patterns. And sometimes that felt really constraining. And this was the first time I can remember just listening to like the instrumentals of our songs and just like, what did it make me feel and writing lyrics and then taking those lyrics and being like, all right, let's see if we can now turn these into melodies. So that was kind of something different for us, but yeah. And like for him, same, you know, for me, like obviously I'm a guitar player. I'm not a vocalist per se, but like mine always, it's interesting. I have like two ways of approaching when I start writing demos or something. And it's usually either I'll go to him and I'll say something like, man, I'm really feeling, it's really weird to, to do it this way, but I'll be like, I really want to write a song with XYZ vibe. Like I really want it to be kind of creepy and like, that's what I'm feeling. So I'm going to go work on that. Like, and a lot of people, it's, it's not even like that. It'll be like, you know, what comes out comes out. But for me, a lot of times it'll be that, or in the process of me doing that, I'll come up with like random riffs and I'll send it. Like I might, that riff might turn into an entire song or I might be like, this riff is like really shitty. And I'll send it to Josh and he'll be like, no, that's super cool. Like, and he'll help me turn it into something more or he'll give me the confidence to continue working on it to make it something more. We definitely lean on each other because mm-hmm. like, like I, I love everything. He loves that everything we do. and I hate everything. <laughs> so like we're the perfect mix. I will, I could write the next Inner Sandman and I would be like, this sucks and he'll be like no (laughs) this is great and he'll write something that literally sounds like crash bandicoot and he'll be like this sounds so cool and i'm like josh it's really bad so like we we balance each other out really good um but it usually like he said to to bring it all together it starts with like a good usually like a guitar riff or vocal melody or or you know a lyric idea that sparks some kind of vibe 
and we'll just kind of like see it through um, to the basic level. And then that kind of tells us, okay, we got something here. Nah, we should let this go. So when you say uh, to a basic level, you you make a like a demo of it. How fleshed out of a demo do you generally make? Are you programming drums and all that? Yeah, it can really depend on the song. Like we'll typically start with like you know we got like our easy drummer set up or whatever, and um, a little amp sim, and we'll just kind of do that on our computer and program drums and like we definitely program drums like a guitar player would program drums because sometimes our drummer's like what what are you doing he has eight nine legs and you know seven arms and he only plays the same fill because we only know like two fills to program (laughs) Um, so we'll do that and we'll kind of um you know songs some songs get super fleshed out from everything from you know even diamond loves doing guitar leads and like some of the songs we'll have all of that together before we ever go to the studio and sometimes some things are like we just have the drums bass guitar rhythms and in the studio diamond has a spur of the moment like oh i want to try this sound effect or whatever so they can kind of it just varies but we always we definitely um we're more of a i would say songs start like on a guitar with the computer kind of putting stuff down and then once we have basics for that then we'll all jam it together and make sure that it also would work live because we're very much a live band as much as we love the studio and recording and the final product of it um, one thing really important to us is being able to play those songs live and uh, so we kind of we'll kind of bounce back and forth between that kind of working on a computer going in the practice space and just kind of making sure everything's going to be good for Tetrarch. Cool so once you've got some sort of uh, basic thing like you're talking about, like sort of a, a little demo and you've taken it to the band and you're all jamming it together. What's the process of like structuring the song, like taking those parts and putting in like how, how much does it change from when you bring it from like a basic demo like that to the band and then to the final product? How much do you chop it up or whatever? Once again, it kind of depends on the song. Some songs will bring in like the demo, like the song I'm Not Right. It didn't change much other than like the basics. I think we ended up changing the very end. But like the basic structure of the song was the same from when we wrote it to when we jammed it to when we recorded it, other than adding layers. That was like the kind of stuff that as it went, it started getting beefier and beefier and beefier. But like song structure it was the same but there's other songs like i don't know like i can think like addicted that started off as a song that kind of sounds like marilyn manson's coma white i think no it was uh uh sweet dreams it was like i don't know why we were like trying to rewrite sweet dreams or something like that like subconsciously but we like wrote it and it had like of a cover yeah it was like seven minutes long and it was like this creepy slow thing. And then it had a middle section with some riffs and there was like a riff in the pre-chorus. And I remember I got home from, we, 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 a lot of times we'll turn our jam space into just a straight up writing studio. We'll bring in like our studio desk and speakers and get some lights and just really make a vibe. Just for me, it's hard sometimes to write at home. Diamond knows I'm easily distracted. So it was like, sometimes I need a space that we can just go and do that. So we would set up our studio that way. And I can remember being there all day in the dark and we had come up with this long thing. And in the moment, we're like, yeah, this is great. This is like, I don't know what it is, but it's creepy. I got home and listened to it. I was like, dude, this sucks. And I never say anything sucks. After like eight yeah. hours. You know? And so I took like, I remember being like, all right, let's try something. And I took like three of the riffs that were in the song that were actually like heavy-ish riffs. And I just chopped them around in like maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I was like, all right, we have a song structure. It was just like intro, verse, chorus. There's a bridge and a chorus. And it was like, all right, we took those, and then that ended up becoming addicted. But it, it's crazy that songs can start, 
like she said, they can come in fully fleshed out and be and never change. Or you can take something and it can sound nothing like what it started as. Yeah, and we kind of have like this balancing act we have to play because like I tell a lot of people and a lot of people don't know this or believe this because of like the band that we kind of are now. But when we started, we were like a full on thrash band, like literally riffs for days. We sounded like we had like a song off Kill 'Em All. Like we were a straight up thrash band when we started in high school. And so we loved riffing and riffing and riffing and like having three minute solo sections and all that kind of stuff. And as we've matured, we've gotten way more into like the songwriting aspects, the big chorus aspect, you know, you know, being dynamic having heavy parts and like lighter parts and so now it's like this balancing act of like sometimes like we're we're like are there enough riffs are there not enough riffs you know like we're just like sometimes i'm like diamond you need to solo (laughs) and i'm like i don't really feel it he's like there needs a solo in the song you know so it's like there's all like there's so many different facets of our band that we can pull from that sometimes like that might come play in like the arrangement of a song or like adding to a song or taking away from a song or whatever but like we said for the most part it's very dependent on the song some never change some the whole song changes a couple of times some we think we have the next banger of the century and they don't end up making the records. So yeah, one like, song never even got a name and it goes fully <laughs> recorded and oh, done. Oh yeah, it's done. It's <laughs> sitting like, in our on our computers and I think the day we finished the record and flew home, we decided it wasn't going to go. Yeah, we're like, it's going to be 10 songs, not 11 songs. So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah it, it's, it's, it is crazy because like, I, I feel like we do a lot more subtraction from our initial idea than we do addition. And uh, Sometimes when we start being like, I feel like it needs three more sections to this song, it goes off into some land and we're like, that's not good. So a lot of times we'll do a lot of like, we'll think a part is really, really sick. And when you listen to it, you're just like, I don't know if this part needs to be here. And you chop it out and all that sudden the song just breathes and it like flows the way that it should. And I can remember that happened a few times on this album, like during the mix process even. I'm writing that down. We do more subtraction than addition. That's something that people need to fucking hear and yeah. learn and understand. Say it louder for the folks in the back. I love that. I think you're, you're talking about the really long one that you got home and decided sucked <laughs> yeah. and then you chopped it up and made it into something. But that's like you have to generate the raw material for the song first and then you know you might in the moment you're like this is sick and this is sick you might be generating a lot of cool shit that doesn't mean you got to put it all into the song like it might be five different songs the right. foot riff yeah that's cool like though. there was a rip that we have a uh the song sick of you on our record and like before <laughs> before the scene <laughs> So before the solo, there was like this riff and it was, it's like a really bad riff. It was like, but it just makes you want to stomp around the room. You know, but it didn't uh fit the song whatsoever. It just like came out of left field and we tried for months to make this work. And like, we would talk to Dave and he would be like, I think it's pretty cool, you know, but you got to like kind of filter Dave too. Cause Dave has a little Dave's bit. A, Dave, Dave Otero is a death metal he's, guy. He's a so. big, and he's a big nerd. So like, you got to like <laughs> filter out some of his stuff sometimes. So like we tried to make this riff work for so long. And finally one day we just looked at each other. We're like, I think the Bigfoot riff has got to go. Like, yeah, we cut it. We went, <laughs> we cut it. And we went straight into her guitar. So out of the solo out of the chorus. And it was just like, yeah, it's, it's definitely better. Be. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, stuff like that. 
Huh. Well, you know, and it's not like that riff has to go in the garbage. Like it just goes in the in the riff graveyard to be resurrected right. later. You know, it could exactly. be could become that was not as bad as my Crash riff. No, that was bad. Yeah, that was real bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, that that's begging for a uh, for a side project. Though. <laughs> well, the Crash thing Band, is, I can still Crash sing Bandicoot that. Core. I don't know what it means, but I can still sing that riff, the Crash it's Bandicoot catchy. riff it's back to you. Catchy. So I don't know if that you know. It's been two years. What, Crash Bandicoot. Twenty nineteen. <laughs> yeah it's been almost three years i don't know it's still in a well, voice note in my phone i'll bring it back that means that means that it's good <laughs> might not be good for tetra <laughs> that, maybe that's it there you go yeah, hard to say but i love hearing that to be honest like you have this thing you you want to make it work you know it's good but you know that it doesn't fit yeah. so you kill your darlings exactly. you're like all right you're not well. You're not invited to the party anymore. <laughs> so sad. Um, and it could even happen. And something like that can even happen after you think you've got the final version of the song. Like you think it's mastered and, and mixed and mastered. And I know, like we hate showing people our music because, like, we don't. We, <laughs> we'll be hyped on it, and we like we don't want to show them. Like her mom is a really good. Like she just feels like metal. It's crazy, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's weird. And like she's usually <laughs> never wrong when she'd be like, "That was cool," but. Why didn't y'all ever go back into that riff? That was a banger. And, and we'll like, be like, we never thought of that. Yeah. Like that's what happened. That's literally what happened with "I'm Not Right." I like we ended the song with the middle section with a blast beat. With a blast beat, and like <laughs> it was so random, and it was cool. But like my mom listened to it, and she was like, "Why did you never go back into that intro riff that literally like slamming, and you never go back to it?" And I'm like, "All right, touche." So like. like Damn it, mom! Now I have to give you a pr- pr- producer credit. Yeah. I know. So I was like, Dave, I think we're gonna we're gonna put the intro back at the end. And Dave never wants to change anything. No. So, so he's finally, like, oh, he's like, we oh, can. <laughs> and we did. He That's was like, not what a producer is supposed <laughs> to do. <laughs> They're supposed to be able to change anything. No, he, he can. It takes him. To, he, he always he talks about how long it's gonna take to do something for like an hour, and then it literally takes him three two minutes. Two seconds to do it. Yeah. And he did it, and he was like, oh, that's kind of slamming. And we're like, <laughs> yeah. I think you might be the third guest we've had on in 10 episodes who have worked with Dave on the album that we were talking about. Yeah. I think it was, is that right? You guys, Archspire, yep. I think Rivers of Nile. Anyway, at least at least one other other one. So that's that's really funny getting to hear like a bunch of secondhand <laughs> stories. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, like, like... I've never gotten to meet him in real life either. So he's such an awesome dude. Like he did our debut album Freak. Um, we known him since like what 2012. He mixed he the mixed. old EP of ours, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then when it was time to do Freak in 2016, we're like, let's go to that dude that mixed us that time. And he's just awesome. He he gels really well with us. We balance each other out, and um, it's we a good make time. we make fun of him all day. But it's a yeah, good time. we drive him crazy <laughs> for sure. <laughs> That uh, brings up a, a good question that I like to ask a lot. So you've uh, Dave and uh, and Mrs. Rowe <laughs> <laughs> have a bit of uh, influence. What like how much outside influence do, does anyone have on the songwriting? Do you ever work with outside songwriters, or is it just a producer that um, that has input on it, or is it mostly just people within the organization within the band? We've always been a <laughs> a very interesting band in regards to like you know like we have nothing against that all songwriters or like someone coming in and helping us write but one of josh and i's biggest goals is to be songwriters ourselves so it's like you know for our band obviously but so 
it's kind of like we really try our hardest to have like our records even we even co-produce our records like co-produced and you know written by by us it's just a personal preference yeah. um because i don't think i know we've never brought in a songwriter we've never brought anything. in a songwriter or anything like that and like all of our outside influences like close friends or family that like we trust that we might take the songs to and say you know what do you think of this like give yeah. me your honest opinion and sometimes they might not even know they're doing it like i have a friend like i i remember you never listen i was riding around in the car i was playing our album and it was like i think it was before it was mastered or it was being mixed or something but i was playing along and he was listening to the song he was just in the passenger seat just bobbing the whole time just bobbing 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 we got this, this part in the middle section that like was a little longer and I saw him stop bobbing and then the riff came back in a little later and he bobbed from that point on to the end of the song just like just listening just taking it in and uh I was like okay I've been thinking that this part is too long and that it doesn't fit now I see it like I see how someone who has no idea how the song is supposed to go reacts to it you cut it out and you're like wow this is way better yeah so yeah we we definitely like like I said, we have nothing against ever bringing in a songwriter or anything like that. But to this point, it's always just kind of been a goal of ours to like be co-producers and be writers of our records. And so, you know, until it proves faulty, I think we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll probably continue that way. <laughs> okay, that that leads me to another one. Have either of you uh, sort of studied songwriting in any formal capacity or even just like really analyzing songs and song structure and all of that for in a sort of informal sense. Never formally, no. Like we've never like taken any courses on songwriting or anything. I mean, we, you know, in some way started writing music together when we were, you know, 12 and 13 years old. So it's kind of just been learning, you know, through, you know, trial and error kind of. And just like I could tell you the first time Josh learned about vocal harmonies, you know, and like in the studio doing a demo a long time ago or the first time, you know, just little things that we learned just along the way that to most people seem so like, well, duh, you know, but like we have to learn <laughs> these things, you know, like in it, yeah. we were very young when we started. So it's been just learning through doing. And honestly, like, I'm really happy we got to, we've done it that way because like we've, you know, like we cut our teeth and we we learn as we go and we learn what fits Tetrarch best you know like sometimes it's kind of like you know I, I know a lot of friends that are like audiophiles you know and they like mm -hmm. know the technical way to do everything but when it comes to the simplest things of just listening to a song or listening to a live mix they like everything's in shambles and they're like but it's not supposed to be that way because the way we were taught, you know, like it's supposed to be this DB and body, body. And I'm like, just listen. Like, like, how does it feel? How does it feel? Like, how does it sound? You know, so like for us, I think it's been pretty cool to just kind of learn what makes people feel things, you know, and what, pe you know, what we like to hear, what we like to play and kind of it helps us stay genuine to, you know, who we are. Yeah. Maybe you could give us a little bit of a an example of a song from the album, something that took a a, a, a less normal path than a, a, another song that would have, um, something less straightforward. I mean, I guess you, you gave us a couple, but like, could you take us from the beginning to the end of it as much as possible? Like how it started, how it ended up and how it got there. Trust Me is a good one. The last song on the record, it's like very... 
kind of dark and mysterious and when we started writing it, it was kind of like a filler song at first, and we didn't want any fillers on. It wasn't the even a song. It was like remember we had a chord, three chords on a chorus, yeah. and a little drum beat, and like that was all we had. And we that was all we had. Like every other song was pretty fleshed out. And trust me, it was like one we tracked drums. Ruben didn't even know what he was going to be playing to. Like he was like <laughs> playing to a click and just playing these big open beats, and it was like well. Maybe there's something here. I don't know. If not, whatever. And um, that song, like, I don't know what it was. It was like we Diamond started adding some guitar layers, and uh, we started adding some, like, electronic parts and some weird stuff, and all of a sudden it sparked this, like, really creepy song that now is one of my favorite on the album. Like, it's the closer. It's like a departure from the rest of it, but it's, like, in a weird way, I feel like it was, like, the perfect close to it. And it has my favorite solo on the whole album that Diamond does. It's this weird, just, like, heavily affected... I don't even know what effects we used. Whammy. It. Whammy, phaser, <laughs> flanger. Well, I don't even lot, know what. A lot of whammy a lot of pedal stuff, on the album. A lot of whammy pedal. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that song for sure was, like, is this even a song? Right. <laughs> it was it was interesting. We got it was the last thing we did and we were trying to figure out, you know, it was one of those things where we were like, is this gonna even make the album? Like, what is this? And I think when we put electronics on the song, it was one of those songs where those kind of made the song. Yeah. And we were like, Oh, now we see the vision of it, you know. But at first it was kind of like, What what is this? And it was like everything was different for me. Like the chorus, usually, you know, you go to the chorus and you're like the Yeah you know you get that high notes and you're going and that was a course that was like really kind of just dark and then a lower range for me and that was a song I didn't even know I could do a falsetto and like had some of that on like the verses and stuff so it was really just different but um turned out really cool I think what are you using for electronic sounds and how does that come together well we use a guy named Zach and <laughs> okay. Zach, Zach does get, those electronics. <laughs> yeah, we are no, not. That's good. Have a guy. We, we play guitar. <laughs> I can program some drums. Diamond can program some drums. I can do stringed instruments and vocals, but I get lost on the. I think I tried to make some electronics one time and they were like the worst thing. I was like some stock logic synths, but I picked probably the worst presets they had. <laughs> and it was just like a producer trying to make a beat for the first time. It was bad. So I'll leave that to someone who like. Okay, but you have a fifth Beatle. There's um. Yeah, well, it was interesting. N- no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Zach's going to be like, well, fuck you then. No. Um, no, he. we had actually um, met him through a lot of uh, friends of ours and bands and stuff. He's a producer out here in L.A. He produces and songwrites and stuff. But he also, he used to be in a band called My Enemies and I. But he's really good at building electronics and all that kind of stuff and doing that sounds and samples. So we needed someone to just come in and, you know, kind of tuck some things tuck underneath some things the guitar, under, and... you know, just add mm-hmm. a little bit of like electronic layers. We weren't, we're not like a super, like we don't use a lot of uh, samples or anything like that, but we, on this record, we did want to, cause on freak, the prior record, we used some on the song freak and like a couple others and they sounded really cool. So we were like, okay, let's try to let's try to put some on this record too. So I had heard a lot about him. I talked to him. I was like, hey, you know, we told him the vibe we wanted on a couple of the songs, the type of feel of electronics, and you know, he helped us flesh them out um, the way we wanted them. So yeah, and with that though, I think like one thing that's really important to us, and it comes back to that aspect of us wanting to be as good as we can live is like even with parts like that, kind of that ear candy, that electronics and all that. We want that if those ever didn't work live for some reason 
we're still going to sound like Tetrarch. The four of us are going to get up there, two guitars, bass, drum, and some vocals, and we're going to sound like Tetrarch. The songs are going to sound like the songs. So like, we never really want that kind of stuff to be really the defining sound of our band because if technology goes down, you're screwed, you know? So I think um, that's always important to us. They're just kind of that extra little piece to really just make everything come together. Yeah. Uh, what is Zach's last name? Jones. His last name is Jones. Oh, yes. yeah. Zach Jones. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> you that's, that's, oh, no, no. But, uh, <laughs> damn it. You probably it, met him at a Joey Sturgis event. I probably met him at the <laughs> I'm, I'm, sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure you probably did. Got honestly. it. That's, I think that's a healthy attitude to have. I've seen more than one laptop go down and ruin a perfectly good show. A lot of bands can't function without it, you know? Like, I mean, it's understandable in this day and age. There's certain things that, like, it's just not going down without. But, yeah, in, in the event of uh, Ma- the, the most vital and fragile member of the band, Mac going down um it's it's good to know especially like you're saying you you consider yourselves a very live band that you get it yeah you that you you structure your whole thing around that it took us a it took us a very long time to even be open to trying any kind of sounds live or anything like that like even freak we had electronics on the album and we didn't even use them live no because we were just like we're we like, don't want to do that. Yeah, never. Like we 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 were so against it up until this record we started, you know, using some of like the, you know, some of the synths or something The like things that we can't like that nobody plays an instrument for, right. you know? Like we don't like yeah. to we don't bring in like, you know, rhythm guitar tracks and stuff like that, but we definitely will bring in like a electronic scratching sound that isn't a real instrument, you know. Yeah, yeah. what are you going to bring um, a whole other person? Yeah. <laughs> to just like kind of walk on and like and then leave like Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No. Exactly. <laughs> That's a whole other mouth to feed. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's also a, like a pain in the ass. You can go from be like having a very simple setup to if you want to have that stuff then everybody has to be on a click and you have to be on in-ears and you have to like it's uh it's cool, it's awesome, but it's Oh, we oh also boy. you know, like I just started using ears this tour, last tour with the Treyu. And like they were on me about using ear, you know. Our drummer always used them because he mm-hmm. play he uses a click on some songs. Um, but it's like I was like, give me like three wedges and a good mix, you know. And I'm like, We're and that so- good wedge mix never happened, <laughs> never because there's never time for a wedge mix. There's nothing like a good wedge mix though. So I don't care what anyone says. A good wedge mix, which doesn't happen a lot, is sick. But. Um, we, you know, I, we're very like old school too in our approach live a lot. Like a lot of, most people are on Kemper now, you know, or they, you, they, they go digital acts, acts or something like that. And we still like haul in like these arena level, like five guitar amp head rigs and like all this stuff. And like, people are just like, guys, go, go. And I literally play one rhythm tone. Yeah. Like for me, she's got all kinds of effects and like everything going and i literally just like a heavy tone but we love it because i'm like you know of all my all my friends and stuff that have gone kemper at some point they go back to heads and i'm like see (laughs) you know like we just i just like to keep it steady and consistent (laughs) yeah (laughs) nothing wrong with that nah so we started talking about electronics as we were talking about the evolution of this song from kind of a weird thing you didn't know what it was yeah. in, into something that you liked a lot. 
So once the you said once the electronics got on there, it kind of came together. The vision started to form. How did you shape it from there? A, we needed vocals, so I had to re- finally write some lyrics for the song. Um, but once that started coming together, you know, Diamond was doing her thing. She was getting guitar layers. There's one thing Diamond loves to do is get on the computer with what we were using, what like Pod Farm or something like that, and just turn knobs until something sounds weird and cool, like. Um, she'll just go do that. And she was adding layers to like the, um, verses some really eerie leads, the solo, like it just, it was just very organically. We just built it and we added things as we, as they came up, as we came up with them, just very spur of the moment. Like we didn't, that was a song we definitely didn't have time to overthink. Yeah. And, and with Dave's, like when we're at the studio with him, he's a very structured producer and engineer. So, like, when you go to the studio with other producers, sometimes, like, every day is, like, can be, you might work till 2 a.m. one day, you might work till 9 p.m. the other day, and 4, 1, and start at different times. Dave is very structured to where it's, like, we start at 9 a.m., we end at, like, 5 or 6 every day. So, that's he likes to keep his life, like, in order like that. So, basically, our routine is we get up, we go to the studio every morning, we take a lunch break at, like, 12, we start, we record again until the end of the day. And then we go back to where we're staying and we just work on music for the next day. Like we'll work on maybe like he'll have to finish up some lyrics. We'll have to finish up some lyrics for the song we're doing the next day. Or maybe leads are coming up and like I need to flesh out and make sure all the leads are okay. So like that's kind of what we would do. Like with Trust Me, as we're talking about, it's like every day, every night when we're working on songs for the next day or whatever, We'd have to go in and just like take the songs that need some work and work on them until late that night before we go to bed. And so it kind of came together over that period of time while we were in the studio. It yeah. De- it definitely wasn't one we had ready to go before we went in. No, and even like, even as those sounds and stuff were coming together, I can remember even some of the vocal, like I had some ideas there, but it was like, it took coming back to LA from Colorado, just getting away from the studio for a couple weeks to just like be somewhere different and fresh to listen that it was like finally I think like my brain was like oh okay you can come up with ideas for this song so I think it's just like it it just got built over time from all over the place like like she said we spent a lot of nights at the studio between playing you know PlayStation to kill some time and then we'd go work on music and then we'd go eat and then we'd go work on music and it was like you're always surrounded by that so it just I think when you're in that creative mindset it just like keeps kind of rolling yeah. When you're writing lyric, like you're saying, you had sort of a, a track first to it to an extent. You're sort of this less structured, slightly weirder thing. At what point do you need to start writing lyrics for it to even continue? And, and what's your process for writing lyrics if you've got one? The earlier, the better, because I know the later you wait, the more stress you put on which everyone gener- else, which, which is, is generally, generally how it goes. Do it. <laughs> uh, for me, it's like, I would walk, there was a Starbucks up maybe a mile from where we were staying at Dave's and uh, I would just walk there, take my headphones and my laptop and my notes on my computer and just listen to the songs. And like I was saying earlier, like this was kind of a, this album was one that I really kind of let the songs tell me what to feel and what to write about instead of trying to jam words into some preconceived melody I had. Like it was like, let me just write and um this was kind of the first album I feel really was like very personal, very much about me, about people close to me, about um, 
kind of that. And I think that that's one of the things that's really resonated with our fans and with um, people on this album because it does feel very honest and not like forced, I guess. But for me, it's just, I, I like I said, I go to Starbucks, I throw on my headphones, I just listen to that song for hours and hours and, and just kind of write what comes to mind and, and, you know, Diamond and everyone's always there to bounce ideas and be like, you yeah, know, there's a better be, way to say this. There'd, or, or there'd be times where I would be like, dude, I really feel like this song feels like it's about this. Like, it feels like we sh- it should be an angsty song where we talk about, you know, not giving a fuck about what someone's saying to you that's putting negative shit in your ear or something like that. And then we would take that and run with that lyrically. You know what I'm saying? So, so like like he said, a lot of times the songs like spoke to us on this record with what they should be about. Um, and then sometimes it was like, we want to make this song yeah. lyrically about this. So we, we made even it had fit. some where we had like, remember we had notes on our phone of just titles right. of songs. We had mm-hmm. just like, this would be a cool song title. This would be a cool song title. And like sometimes you listen to the instrumental of it and be like, hey, remember how we said we should have a song called Sick of You? This kind of feels like it would be a sick of you, mm-hmm. you know, and then you write it and it just it, we had all kinds of different ways of doing it. But I think that's kind of the fun part of songwriting. There's not one way to do something. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's why I started this podcast is because I wanted to hear how other people went about it. Because like you're saying, there's there's no set journey from A to B. You know, from soup to nuts, mm-hmm. um, and I, I just, I basically, I was like, you know, I do this the way that I do it. I wonder, do other people do it differently? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> so that's why I wanted to know. So when you're writing the uh, the lyrics, and you're like you're saying, you you th- you think you um, have an idea of what it's going to be about, but then maybe it it takes a different turn like diamond saying like oh maybe it feels like it should be about this when you're going in like do you have a very strong intention by the time you're done that you go like this is exactly what the song is about i um i have a a vision of of the characters in this story of of what it means to me all that kind of stuff or is it still or is it still a bit more open-ended by the time you're done i think every song eventually gets to that point you know, when it starts, you're just kind of writing. You're writing, even if you take an idea of like this, I want to write about this subject or this topic, like you'll start on that, but that can, just as we went off track with the um, talking about live shows and stuff like that, like your brain and mind can go off track from that initial song idea too. But at the end of it, it might come together full circle to be like, okay, now it is back to where we started. But um, for me, it's like, at the end, when everything is said and done, I could go through every song on the album and be like, this is what this means to me, or Diamond could say, this is what this song means to her, or whatever, but I do think that they're they're not too specific to where like somebody can't have it mean something to them. You know, you could listen to I'm Not Right and have it mean something completely different than how I wrote it, or Diamond could listen to another song and that she, you know, feels really strong means something else, and I could be like, oh, I kind of take it this way. So I think that... I like that part about our band is it's like, um, it's not super just like, it has to be one way. Yeah, we, we look at that from like our own experience too. It's like, you might have this song, and it's happened to me with a few bands where I'm like, this song resonates with my soul lyrically. Like, they get me. And then someone asks them what it's about, and it's like about <laughs> like an avatar or something. And you know, and you're just like, 
oh you know like it's just <laughs> oh. like you're just like oh i guess they don't get me and you know we don't like we like to keep it to where like people can feel what they want to feel from the song you know we don't want to make it like this weird open-ended thing all the, you know completely but like we like it to be uh topics that like you know everybody feels something you know everybody there's certain feelings that everybody in the world share at some point and we like to tap into those a lot you know we like to try to help and relate to as many people as possible so like we when we're one of those bands where it's like yes of course we're writing for ourselves and we do this for ourselves but when I hear an artist sometimes say like I don't care what my fans think I write for me I'm like well if I did that I could stay in my bedroom you know like (laughs) I write we write for us but like we want it to resonate with a lot of other people as well like we write for them too you know it's for for all of us so that's kind of our perspective would you say that there's a, a any consistent themes on the album anything like a thread connecting them all or anything like that yeah it's like a lot of i would say some people use this term as like a they're like oh it's angsty it's like in a bad way but like i think there's a lot of kind of like angst and there's a lot of both inwardly and outwardly at others i think it's just very much like i don't know it's like she said it's just life it's just feelings it's just good times bad times like just all the things we feel and um sometimes that can make us like we came up with unstable was like the um perfect name for it because we just felt like every song it's just like you're right on the edge you know of just being like okay or not okay or you know being pissed off at people around you loving people around you it's just very much kind of like I think it's just like a lot of angst is like the easiest way I could say it when I was listening to the album, I could hear things that I would say were pretty clear influences um, from certain uh, bands or styles or whatever. Stuff that stood out to me as maybe referential or stylistically similar to other things. I don't know why I'm doing this with my hands so much. he doesn't much. want to say new metal. But, oh, no, oh I'll, I'll say it. <laughs> oh, I can hear it. You'd have to be deaf. I mean, the, the, the age that I am, it was like, is like, perfect it's cool because it's a little bit of a walk down memory lane but then also with a lot of fresh takes on those similar ideas i mean those the bands that i'm hearing were like high school for me you know like high school and and middle school like that shit was all up in my ears and and hearing it uh, uh, like put through a a modern lens is is awesome but what i want to ask is was there anything specific that you were listening to during the process of making this that that was influencing you maybe beyond the obvious that we're hearing? Um, you know, like a lot of bands like will wear their, you know, wear their influences on their sleeves. You guys literally wear it on your shirts in your music <laughs> videos. Like you can like. Diamond's is known for her shirts now. There's no question, you know. You know, the um, shirt thing. OK, it literally started with me like being like, man. I'm really dark. Like, you know, I'm a dark person. And so my mom and my dad, they used to like come to shows, right? And they would be like, this is off topic, but I got to get it out there. So they would, come to show, they would come to shows and, you know, we'd be on stage or something. And like, I would just have all black on. And they would be like, you're just like a shadow up there because you're <laughs> so dark. So I started wearing like band shirts. You know, I wore them anyways, but on stage, I would start wearing band shirts a lot. And then... You know, I think I wore it in like one music video, like a 36 Crazy Fish shirt because uh, we made they were good friends of ours. We we toured with them. They were awesome. They gave us a shirt and everybody started being like, 
oh, that's so sick. So then it kind of became this thing where it was like, everyone would be like, I wonder what shirt Diamond's going to wear in the next video. Like it became this thing. And I'm like, now I feel like I have to wear a shirt <laughs> and a band shirt because like they'd be disappointed. So anyways, <laughs> like my Mudvayne hoodie here that I like, people probably think it's the only hoodie I own, but like literally I just love, I, it just fits really well. I love this hoodie. Um, <laughs> but anyways, so needless to say, listening, something we were listening to during that time that you wouldn't notice. It's interesting because what people don't know is like, and a lot of people think it's completely different or opposite is coming up. I was like the, and still am like the metal head you know, of the band, like the heavy. I love Gojira, like one of my all time favorite bands. I like the heavier, the better, you know? And then Josh was always like really into like the softer stuff, like green, green day, day is my favorite, like Pearl jam or even pop. Like he was really into like pop and stuff. So it was like, it, it's interesting, like, what people think he would probably listen to. Like, people would be like, he must really love Edema. And Josh is like, Josh didn't know what an Edema was until people started saying that, like, six months ago. And I can genuinely say that. Like, it literally yeah, even, no like, we, the, we didn't, like, I remember going through, I didn't listen to them, and this sounds bad, but, like, we were at the studio, and we had this name for Unstable for such a long time of an album. And I was like, I wonder if any other bands have an Unstable on Spotify. I go, and I'm looking, there's only, like, a couple. I'm like... There's a band called Edema, but I've never heard of them. And I didn't even click it, so I had no idea it was even in like a similar like realm at all. So like I'm just like, oh, you know. Oh, um yeah, like Di- like people would think that I introduced Diamond to all the heavy stuff or whatever, and it's so opposite. Like Diamond showed me screaming for the first time, and I was like, what is this? And then she showed me, I think it was Trivium's performance at Ozfest in like 2005, and I watched that and was like that's kind of cool. That screaming thing's really cool. So she got me like really into trivium and stuff like that. And um, yeah, it's, we're just, we have inspiration from all over the place. And I have a playlist on Spotify, my phone that was like, I would listen to every night when I go to bed and it was just all over the map and mm-hmm. I would just put it on and fall asleep. And it I was think, everything from like new metal to like pop rock mm-hmm. to like to super heavy stuff. Yeah. Like he loves like Kings of Leon and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, I'm trying to think of during that time anything that stood out that we were listening to that like you wouldn't like think we were listening to when we wrote that record. I oh, honestly any- which what's weird is I honestly we don't listen to much I don't let me re- rephrase that listen to much music when we're writing records because my ears are so fatigued <laughs> after the day like the last thing I want to hear is music so literally I think Tetrarch would be all I listen to for like four months and then I'm opposite and he yeah he like, needs a ear cl- pa- like a palate cleanser yeah. kind of but me I can't even think of like I don't even know that god that feels like a, ages ago <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm be honest <laughs> yeah I don't know um I feel like, oh, I had like a couple like Post Malone songs on the, the playlist and that worked its way into, I feel like maybe that might work its way into a song or so. Just everything. And like sometimes like Diamond, it's even some of like the new metal stuff, like Diamond showed me songs and bands and, and things that maybe I had never even listened to. You know, I might, I might know Disturb's biggest songs, but maybe I don't know the deep cut from the album. She'd be like, check this song out. And I'm jamming that. I'm like, this is sick. And I listen to it forever. So I was just all over the map, honestly. A lot of metal fans assume that their favorite bands mostly listen to the kind of music that they play. And I've found it both ways. But um, 
the vast majority of people when I ask them this question. They don't. They're kind of like, I, you know, I play metal all day long. I got to go home and listen to some Johnny Cash or like yeah. some random, you know, or something yeah. light or whatever. Yeah, dude, I'm all like for some reason, like a great cleanser for me right now is hip hop. So like when I've been like freaking metal all day and I like I said, I'm the biggest metal head. Like I love it. Like live or die heavy music. <laughs> But, like, I just turn them to Megan the Stallion or some freaking, I don't know. Gucci. Yeah, the baby. And I'm just like, all right, I can relax a little bit, you know? <laughs> yeah. The things that are important in the, in the two different sort of styles are basically, yeah, completely opposite. Like, mm-hmm. the, and, I find the same thing like I want to not I want to not hear real drums and big heavy saturated guitars you know (laughs) I want to hear like something real light but also and that's like more lyrically I don't know interesting not that metal isn't all you know but yeah it's uh that sounds right to me that tracks pretty well I think yeah and sometimes things that you would never think like you I had a big reggaeton phase like I had a whole playlist on my Spotify and just that every song is that same boom, gatten, 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 that, you know, beat. And I was listening one day, I was like, man, that'd be, if a band wouldn't be Tetrarch, but if a band ever took that and was like metal with that, that, boom, boom, it'd be sick. So like, you know, you can kind of. Feels like low hanging fruit. Yeah, yeah, you're like, yeah, that would be sick. And it's like also like my teachers in high school, like I know one in particular, just got a huge kick out of the fact that like I would listen to like a country song, like long-haired country boy by charlie daniels like that was like one of my favorite songs in high school and i was singing all the time and they would just be like you are the strangest kid i've ever met (laughs) and like so that that's still us we're still the exact same like you never know when you get in our car what's going to be playing you know and i'm sure it was the same during the writing of that record you know it was like we've always liked everything you know obviously metal is in the forefront but we've always liked everything yeah you were in the studio with dave you said for four months Mm -hmm. So I think it was Rivers of Nile who said they were in the studio for two weeks. And I think that's mainly because Brody tracks almost everything at his house, all the guitars and everything. Like so that by the time they get there, it's a lot of like reamping and just like technical stuff. But it sounds like you guys were working on the songs while you were there. What was it like? Like what's a maybe like a typical day or week or something working in the studio with Dave? Well, <laughs> if you Like ask, you said, structured. If you ask, if you ask Dave, <laughs> I'm just thinking about that comment he made to us recently. It's like he, you know, if you ask Dave, it probably could have gone a little faster, but you know, me me and Josh are uh, kind of procrastinators from time to time. And so, um, <laughs> you know, Josh is one of those people where if an idea is not coming, it's just not coming just not and there. he's going to bed. So, like, <laughs> it's just not going to happen. So, basically, how we usually would do it is, like, when we go into the studio, we usually kind of have an idea of, like, how much time it's going to take. Like, how much time we want it to take. So, we structure. And then we add three months. Yeah. Then then for Tetrarch, you add another month. Then we structure it each day based off of, like, the time that we have, total time we have in the studio. So, like, we'll say, okay, first week is going to be drums. Yeah, pre-pro. I just skipped that. First week is going to be pre-pro. Or first four days is going to be pre-pro, whatever. Then after that, we'll do drums, you know, for... We know we'll have to go to the drum room for four or five days. And then... We know we're going to have to do guitars for two weeks or whatever. You know, we structure like that. So basically the days go 
like I said, nine to five. You we know? always kind of know the night before what we're going to be doing the next day too. So it's like, exactly. you kind of know, all right, we're doing guitars today. And every sometimes like you're in the thick of it, you know, you might get to vocals finally. And I've been singing for days and days at a time. And maybe it's just like, you know what? Let's do a nothing but solo day and nothing but coming up with weird layers on guitar. And like mm-hmm. once you kind of get towards that, the end of it is like you can start doing all that ear candy stuff. And um, but yeah, it's very like she said, it's just very structured. You know what you're doing every day. And what, you know, we're not doing weekends. What we try. You know? Yeah, we don't work on weekends. What we tried to Dave, excuse me, doesn't work on weekends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what we tried. Wow, he's got his boundaries. He does. Yeah, and we good. just we Amazing. try to break them. We, we try to yeah. break. Em we so respect so. them, but we also try to break them as much as we can. <laughs> what we do try to do, though, is when we go into the studio, we try to make sure that we have. Because we do know at nights we're going to be adding or writing stuff, but we try to make sure we have as much of a basic structure and at least like vocals, some sort of melodies done. So like while we're in there at nights, we usually it's working on the layers, the leads, the maybe extra lyrics that we need, stuff like that. But it's usually not the writing of a whole song. It's usually just like making the songs better. Um, I think this last time we went in, we scrapped a demo or something that we had and Dave was like, well, we need a 10 song album. So y'all better get to writing another one. And so like (laughs) we had to, (laughs) we were trying to write two more, but the, the 11th one came out sounding like a thrash song and we were like, this, this can't make the album. So like we, (laughs) we had to do it, write a song from scratch for that, which I think ended up being pushed down. Yeah, Um, it did. But other than that, usually we don't do that. Usually it's like we have the basic structure and everything of the song and it's just adding to it while we're in the studio. So Yeah, I remember I think Dave was like, All right, well, I'm off this weekend, so hopefully I'll come up with a song. <laughs> it was like <laughs> you know, we had wow. all kinds of demos and stuff, but just for whatever reasons the stuff we had wasn't really inspiring us and we're like, we still feel like something's missing on it and um there's always that one song. Even I think uh on our debut album on Freak, Freak was like, mm-hmm. we had all these songs written to go record and we needed one more and we didn't like anything we had. So we just like, we threw something together in like 20 minutes on the computer. And we're like, all right, we're going to fly to Denver and we're going to record this. And like, it was kind of one of those songs, kind of like Trust Me, where it was like, is this going to be a song? Is this going to be a song? I guess we're going to track it like it's a song. And then it ended up being like our most popular song for a long time up until like I'm Not Right and, and this album came out. So Sometimes it's super fleshed out, and some songs are just, like, very spur of the moment. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you did on this one that you'll never do again or something that you, yeah, just felt like it didn't work as well as you wanted it to? And, yeah, anything that you felt like did it, it had to get it done, you wish could have been better or something like that in terms of the songwriting? Wow. I guess that's kind of asking... Do you think you did anything wrong and will you admit to it? <laughs> Which is maybe not the best way to put it. But In a perfect world, you would go to the studio always having everything start to finish how you want it to sound. Like whether it's all the lyrics, all the melodies, all the guitar solos, all of that. And so I think with each album, like we try to get better and better about doing that. But at the same time, it's a balance because sometimes your best ideas come out of pressure or come out of, you know, in the moment. Um, so I would say just always continually to um, just have as much ready before you go into the studio. My, yeah, I, I think mine would be like efficiency, like basically pulling off what he said. And, and it's just 
getting better at writing um kind of like year round all the time like as songwriters you know instead mm-hmm. of just like saying this seven all right this six seven months, months before we go in the studio we're gonna write an album you know yes but i think you know start just writing all the time and always having that material that's getting better and better um before you go in i think is something that we've been working on and like we want to get better at i wouldn't say anything in the actual recording if you ask Dave, he might say something different, but I wouldn't say anything in the actual <laughs> recording process or anything like that. I wouldn't do again. Even in the final product. Like. Yeah. I mean, I'm very happy with what we came up with. And, you know, it is a, like people say all the time, it's a snapshot of like that moment. So like I wouldn't change that. There's nothing I hear that I'm like, Ugh, why did we do that? Um, or I don't want to do that next time. I have ideas to make things better, you know, okay. based off of what we did this time but nothing that i would just wouldn't do other than just getting better at the consistent songwriting you know you know and just having more and more material and and the a little bit of the procrastination i would get rid of <laughs> and even maybe do things like i like i think it was you i was watching a video it was like i feel like you like speed wrote a song or something like that it was like you might have i don't know if maybe. it was you but it was like doing something with like Easy Drummer and something else, and like it was. I do a lot of things like that. Yeah, it was something well, like that, sounds, that, and it was that just like, like um, my, my mo. <laughs> yeah, it was just like you know, it'd be fun. Maybe just like one day, or just like, all right, Don, let's make a song, start to finish. Whatever comes out, doesn't matter if it's good or not. Like, let's just do it. Like little things like that, I think would be kind of fun. I do one series where I'll literally roll the dice to figure out what the drum tracks I are going to be. I watched that. I yeah, I did watch random, that actually. Yeah, random drum grooves out of a uh, superior drummer to put together a song. Sometimes it turns out great. Sometimes <laughs> it's really, really weird. Hey, guy, we're going to um, go from a mamba to a blast beat. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if nothing else, it sparks ideas, which is like, to me, you know, I kind of feel like I could take any shitty idea and turn it into like a pretty good song. Um, if you start with cooler ideas and better inspiration, then generally the final product turns out better. And so like just just kickstarting that kind of thing um, more than anything else for me is is the fun part and winds up with you know, you get excited about it and then you like really want to work on it, that kind of thing. But um, I see what you're saying. So like just getting in there, getting it done and then moving on instead of languishing on it for months and months. <laughs> That's yeah. Uh, well, setting some boundaries for yourself <laughs> and some, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, when it comes to like harping on a song for a long time, you know, it's kind of I think Josh told me or maybe I heard it like Dave Grohl said, like, songs are never like finished they're abandoned so it's like you know like as an Mm -hmm. artist you can literally always i can always come up with like things like with a song for the most part like where we can just keep going on it forever and ever and like what if we add this or what if we add this or what if we try this you know but sometimes you just got to be like dude i think this song is done you know (laughs) so like and you know every now and then a song will tell you like this is it. I'm finished. Like I'm tapping out of this, this whole process, but like for the most part, you could keep going forever. So you just kind of have to use your own discretion and know like when you're beating a dead horse and when it's like, what's kind of like negative noise Mm -hmm. that, you know, as we've talked about a lot of songs that maybe changed throughout the process or we cut things out negative noise. I remember diamond. I hadn't heard from her all day. 
like and you know we live in the same spot here in LA and like I hadn't heard from her at all I was out doing my thing and like it was nighttime and I just get this text I was like Josh I don't know what this is if this is good or not but just check this out I think it's a banger and I'm like and she never says anything's a banger like she's always like I think this is bad I don't know if it works for Tetrarch but she's like I think this one's cool I played it in the song at the car I was like song's done <laughs> you know done. like obviously the layers and everything else and like Obviously, you know, our drummer and bassist, um, Ryan and Ruben, like, come in and add all their flares and make it come together as Tetrarch. But, like, that was a song where it was just, like, it didn't change much. The music didn't change at all. I'm just like, cool time, show me the riffs. They're sick. So, Here's a question related to that. So you guys both were feeling it, and you're just like, okay, great, there it is. Uh, do you feel like that one landed with other people like with the audience and and all that the, sort of the same way or did it like meet or, or your expectations for how other people would feel it or not i think it probably met our expectations because we knew so we knew that that would be like obviously because there are two sides to our band you know you have like the mass appeal like you know songs and then you have the heavy songs you know for the heavy the heavy audience we knew that would be like a heavy audience song so like it definitely made those people happy and it was we knew that's what type of song that was um so it wasn't as much of like a surprise with how many people liked it or anything like that like it was like we we kind of I think we were kind of we kind of knew how that one would do but it's like when you take a song like I'm not right and it's like a song that's like heavy, has a lot of that like kind of corn, new metal influence type thing, big chorus, a lot of these dark harmonies. It was like, we knew, we were like, this should be the first single and it's a sick song, you know, and hopefully people like it. But we did not know that it was going to carry us for like almost a year. Like, Yeah, we didn't even so, put out another song for like nine months after that song. Because it just kept going. Like it went... Heavy radio, active radio, like every news out, everything. Spotify, just, playlists everywhere. Like it just, yeah. It's I, We still get emails like, I'm not right, it's been added to this Spotify playlist. I'm like, this song came out two years ago, you know? <laughs> so it's like, that's the opposite example of like, we knew the song was good and we were excited about it, but we did not know it would be perceived in the way that it was as this like kind of game changing song for our band. But Negative Noise is one where we kind of expected it to do what it did. It did what we needed it to do. Maybe no less, no more. Just kind of, we, it did that. And, it, and we knew yeah. it would be fun live. Like it's a Exactly. A lot of people would say to us, like, this should be your live opener, like with Negative Noise. And it was for a while. Like, so it's been, it's been very fun live. Like it's been fun. Like crowds go crazy and they, you know beat each other up to it so and it's kind of <laughs> like uh you know negative noise start to finish didn't change a whole lot but i'm not right it didn't change a whole, like crazy amounts but i'm not right was the very first riff we ever had for the album like it was the very first thing from back maybe even 2018 something like that we were all like just sitting around here and then came up with it and um it was also one of the last ones finished and there was a time that we were listening to all our demos and we're like is this song even as strong as these other ones, because we've been writing for like a year at that point. We had all these other things like Stitch Me Up and Negative Noise. Dave and tried to get rid so, of it. Yeah, for a he was like, ah, oh, this one doesn't feel as strong. <laughs> and we were just like, well, 
I think it'll slam. It'll slam. And like, there was a time we were kind of like, is this one even as cool anymore? And we all did. We're like, eh, it's all right. But then when all was said and done and it was one of the last ones to be completely finished, it took forever to get the right chorus. And like, that was one Diamond was not letting me slack on. She was like, mm-hmm. if it didn't hit her as soon as I sang her a melody, she was like, nope. <laughs> you know, and she let me work on it and work through all the bad stuff. And, um, but then when I, I know when we finally, when she heard like the melody, she's like, all right, that's it. And it was like the last, other than trust me, I think it was the last song that we finished completely. It's like the first started last finished and it just ended up, like she said, exceeding. So yeah, I take, we take it off topic to say like, it's crazy how like songs can like be perceived. Like you might think it's like, like with I'm not right. For instance, like you said, we knew it was a great song. When it was done, we knew we wanted it to be the first single, but it went through some uh, processes of like almost not making the record or almost being one of the like eh songs of the record to being literally. And I know there was other people who we would show when we showed the songs to uh, they would they liked it. I'm not right. But they didn't think like they were like, mm, it probably shouldn't be like the first single or anything. But I do really they l- like the song. And we just like something in us was like, I just think we just think this should be we should lead with this track for sure. Yeah. I think sometimes songwriters, you have to j- even yeah. like just to finish, see a song through. Like sometimes you just have to have that gut feeling and be like, no, I need to see this one through. Yeah. We need to see this one through. Yeah. Cause like you can, like you asked about getting opinions from people and everybody is going to give you one. And sometimes you can let that cloud. You be like, well, is this as cool of a song? But, um, sometimes you just have to be like, you know what we're writing for, we are writing for ourselves in a sense, you know, and we love this song. So let's see it through and let's see what it can be. And, you know, in that case, it turned out really well. Well, it sounds like you put in the time and the effort. You put the work into it. The other song you were talking about, it felt like it came together very quickly and easily. And you were like, okay, there it is. And it did well, but wasn't a a total game changer. This other one, it needed the work. You had a good feeling about the stub of what it was, and then you really very carefully went about crafting it into something and it came out even better than the other one. And like you're saying, really, really blew up. So that's that's um, sort of um, a powerful idea. It's I've he- heard this a lot about potential and talent. Um, you know, someone with uh, like when everything comes very easily to them for a certain thing like music or whatever, and they go pretty far very quickly and then they sort of just like okay well it's just easy and then somebody who's not as immediately as great as it at it puts in the work and the time and the effort and goes a lot farther than this person who had the talent because they knew what it would take and they were constantly working at it this other person it came easy to them and sometimes it's like that with a song like if it comes out very easily and it's great sometimes it's the one but you might also uh underestimate it you know you might or whatever you might underestimate what it actually needs because it came so easily that's what it sounds like to me that you're talking about and that's that's cool because i think a lot of people think that songwriting is just a thing that you're born with or whatever but there's you guys are proof that you know you just you have to work at it all the time and you have to care about it a lot and sometimes you have to put in the work that the song needs, and sometimes it's excruciating. You've been <laughs> writing together since you were. You'll start getting mad like at each other. You're teenagers. not mad at each other. You're just, you know, on edge because you're just like, oh, I know this needs something, but I don't know what it is. Why didn't you wash the dishes? You know, it's like, 
<laughs> if you'd have washed the dishes, we'd have had this lyric by now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, <laughs> that's funny. I've lived with band members before, and it seemed like, you, you know, you think it's going to be... Uh, You'll, you'll be working on stuff all the time. You'll be writing together and you live together for a year and don't write a note. That's what, that's what <laughs> happened to me. But um, that's, um, that's amazing. So that's a, a sort of a tale of two tracks, you know, like two completely different ways that they came about. Different amount of, of work and revision that had to go into them. And that's it. I feel like that's a, there's a study there that could be done, you know, like for the next thing that you'll be working on i don't mean to you know <laughs> stress you out you're like no we just, like, we f- <laughs> no, we're, we're relaxing right now we're trying, <laughs> we have i gotta grab a guitar <laughs> is there anything yeah, start right now um is there anything that you're gonna do for this next one i mean you talked about it a little bit the things that you want to do but like what are you gonna uh what are you actually gonna do differently this time if anything you guys have a pretty consistent sound you got the tetrarch sound down are you gonna push it at all artistically like sound wise like we want to make it bigger we want to make it better we want to take i think the jump between our record freak it was like that was the first time we we were a thrash band before we had like a metalcore phase and all this stuff and freak was the first time we really were like let's not try and fit into a box let's just do what feels natural and it was the first time diamond started playing around with guitar sounds and weird stuff and different types of riffs and different tunings and that album i think is a really cool album but it just showed kind of a little bit of what we could do, a little bit of what we could pursue. And with Unstable, we said we want to take our favorite parts of Freak and really expand on those and turn it into a new sound. And that's what we did. And I feel like that's probably what we're going to do with Unstable is take this is the stuff that we we really love and that we feel like these are the definite parts of Tetrarch. And now what are the new ideas that we can bring in to really make it that much bigger I guess yeah it's about growing with each one you know like there's already things I ideas I have for the next one that you know it's basically like building off of unstable you know what I'm saying like so we want every record I think the last few records we've kind of solidified our place as tetrarch and like belonging here and you know a band to be reckoned with and now you know it's about our ascend to you know where we want to be as a band and who we want to be as a band so like each record is going to be obviously trying to top the one before but just growing on that like we're not one of those bands that we're like we don't want to hear about our last record you know that's that's tetrarch that's part of us and the next one is just taking pieces of that and growing and so it's gonna be you know i think we've found who we are and like our sound and like i said where we fit um and now it's just becoming the best version of that. Yeah, now we can look at things like maybe we felt like you asked if there was something missing or that we would do different. I think that we would both say, like, we love negative noise and our fans love that side of Tetrarch too. And we want to make sure we never abandon that. Mm-hmm. It's like maybe having a couple more of those fast bangers and stuff, but then also making the songs that are the choruses and the big open sounding stuff, make those even better and even stronger. So it's just like, we just want to, like she said, just build on everything we've done so far great well i think that's a great sentiment to go out on this has been very very revealing i love hearing this stuff straight from the source and uh, i think the album is great 
It's super fun to listen to for me as a like, I don't know, as someone who heard a lot of this style of, of stuff back in the day and hearing you guys do it way, I think way better. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I don't want to, I'm not kissing your ass. I, uh, <laughs> I think it sounds way better coming out of you. Um, but all, especially because you're doing it in such a fresh and original way. And, um, I'm very much looking forward to what you're going to be doing next. Do you have anything that you want to, of course the album is out now, you stream it on all platforms. Is there anything that you guys are doing that you want to uh, coming up that you want people to know about? Um, we're just really, you know, obviously we're coming out of a pandemic. So every band is just as eager to like hit the road, you know, and like be on tour. So obviously in El Tomorrow, we leave for tour to start tour with Seven Dust. So we go out with Seven Dust for the next month and then we'll be playing some festivals and stuff and hopefully some more tour announcements. So this year will be kind of full of just touring and, and playing unstable and touring on un, un, unstable. So hopefully we'll get to see a lot of friends and fans and stuff all over the world and country. So that'll, that's first and foremost, you know, before, before, uh, any, any new album, but we're definitely, we're definitely writing. We kind of, you know, have an idea of like a plan for the next two years of what we want to do with new music and all that kind of stuff. So, um, just, staying in touch with us looking at our socials coming to see us at a show and uh you know telling telling their friends <laughs> great that's amazing i love seven dust that's probably going to be a pretty great tour it's gonna be fun great guys well thank you so much for being on for taking the time um and uh and all of that and you know enjoy your tour have the best time and uh we'll hopefully talk to you real soon thank awesome. you trey thank appreciate you, it Thanks so much for listening to the How Songs Are Made podcast, episode 10. Huge thanks to Tetrarch for being my guests today. And of course, a huge thanks to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. Be sure to check out distrokid.com slash VIP slash GG to get 7% off your first year. If you're interested in learning more about songwriting, head over to howsongsaremade.com to check out my songwriting course, Complete Rock and Metal Songwriting, and follow the How Songs Are Made podcast on all streaming services and everywhere that podcasts are found. We've got new episodes with different songwriters every Wednesday, so I'll see you real soon. <laughs>